0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you.
1: So the first reading can be found in Colossians chapter 1 and its verses 19 to 23 and can be found on page 1192 in the Pew Bibles. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in this gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, and can be found on page 1001 in the Pew Bibles. So Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Well, thank you once again for inviting Arosha to come and speak this morning. Let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, may your word be our guide, may your spirit be our teacher, and may your glory be our supreme concern. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What image is conjured in your mind when we speak of the environment? Is it of flower-filled meadows or fly-tipped waste? The dawn chorus or the roar of traffic? Crystal-clear waterfalls or polluted rivers? In the beginning... We read in Genesis, we read in Genesis, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. We live in a God-breathed world created by a good and loving God. It is seen in the beauty and wisdom to be found in his handiwork. We see glimpses of God's glory all around the majesty of snow-capped mountains, the drama of the night sky, the music of waves lapping or birds singing, the beauty of the sun setting. We echo the words of the psalmist. How many are your works, O Lord, in wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, and yet pollution, exploitation of the world's resources, deforestation, and the destruction of habitats are realities of our world. Global warming is accepted by 97% of climate scientists to be the result of human activity. We see in this slide the correlation, the close following of the rise in temperature over the last 140 years. The rise in temperature and the rise in the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Carbon which is caused by our activity. Average global temperature is now at least one degree higher than it was in pre-industrial times. And it is edging towards the 1.5 target, which was set in the Paris Climate Accord back in 2015. And above this target, the risks and dangers of a changing climate increase significantly. Extreme weather events are already happening far more often than they did before. None of these events in themselves can be said to be the result of climate change, but the increased incidence is due to climate change. The impact of these events is being felt most severely by those who have done least to cause them. After the worst drought in East Africa in 40 years, millions are facing the threat of famine. Many of our wildlife species are also threatened by the changes taking place in the environment. The Worldwide Fund for Nature's Living Planet Index measures the number of mammals, birds, amphibians, and reptiles. Since 1970, numbers have declined on average by 69% in just 50 years. In their words, the rich biodiversity that sustains all life on the planet is in crisis. Peter Harris was the founder of Arosha, and he said recently the issues seem so huge and the suggested responses can appear so trivial. In consequence, many people, Christians included, can feel immobilized, helpless, and hopeless. Hopeless, helpless, immobilized. Let's consider each of these in turn. Hopeless. It should not surprise us that our planet is in crisis. In Genesis, we see that not only was our relationship with God and our relationship with each other affected by the fall, it was also our relationship with the rest of creation. God said to, A- to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. In painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Sin has affected the whole creation and has damaged the relationships that God intended humans to have with the rest of creation. And if we are honest, we know that there are ways in which we have misused the gifts of God's creation. In the Harvest Confession, we confess that there are times when we have used these gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. Times when we've been thoughtless and not cared enough for the world he made. God's remedy for our sins was to send his son as an atoning sacrifice. This is the grace that Paul speaks of in our reading from his letter to the Colossians. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. We have this hope held out in the gospel, however huge the environmental issues we face. A hope we can share with a world which is increasingly feeling afraid, anxious, and powerless in the face of this climate emergency. This is the grace bestowed on us by our loving Heavenly Father. Second, helpless. It's very easy to think that anything that we can do will be of little significance in comparison to the changes that are taking place across the world, to the coal-fired power stations that are being planned in India and China. Yet we did not receive a spirit that makes us slaves again to fear, rather. Paul writes, we receive the spirit of sonship. As sons and daughters, Jesus tells us we will remain in his love if we obey his commands. We don't earn this love by obeying his commands, but we do seek to respond to it by doing what pleases him. In our reading, Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is similar love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets depend on these two commandments. The whole law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets depend on these two commandments. This double command encapsulates the entire Old Testament. Together, they form the very core of Christian ethics. It is Jesus' desire that we are obedient to what are sometimes called the creation ordinances. In Genesis, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The command to rule over every living creature is not an invitation to exploit them, but to rule as he does over us with love and compassion. The role he ordained for men and women is to be stewards, responsible for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. God gave humans uniquely among the whole of creation this responsibility because we are made in his image the very ter- first task given to humanity was to reflect God's image through this delegated responsibility of enabling the rest of creation to flourish. It was given to people who were made to delight in all God has made as he does. At this point in the creation story, God rested from all his work, we live such busy lives today that time to appreciate the beauty of our world and the wonder and wonder at the wisdom of our Creator is often crowded out. His love for his creation is demonstrated in his covenant never again to destroy all life by a flood. This covenant was with Noah and with every living creature of every kind on the earth. The covenant of God was with every living creature. This love is reflected in many passages in the Bible. In Psalm 145, we read, God has compassion on all he has made. And in the book of Job, as God replies to Job, we see how he has intimate knowledge of his creation. The responsibility to care for the earth is a delegated responsibility. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Do we need any other motivation to care? For his creation. To rule over creation is not a mandate to use it for our own selfish ends. The problems in the natural world that we are facing are caused by our disobedience, our sin. Jesus also commanded us to love our neighbour as ourselves. When Jesus was asked, and who is our neighbor, he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable named after a despised foreigner shows that anyone of any race, creed, or social background in need that we are able to help is our neighbor. We now live in a world where we're very closely connected with each other. We know that our overconsumption in the West is consuming a disproportionate share of the world's resources. The Worldwide Fund for Nature report that, on average, high-income countries have an ecological footprint that is five times that of low-income countries. Ten years ago, we were using 50% more resources than the Earth can support. Ten years ago... It hasn't improved in that time. If anything, it's got worse. If we continue like this, by 2050, it is suggested we will need three planets to produce all that is being demanded. This pattern of consumption is unsustainable, but it's also unjust and it's unfair. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy that if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. It's a reminder to us, as it was to the early church, of the dangers of materialism. It has been said by an eminent scientist that the top environmental problems are not climate change, biodiversity collapse but they are selfishness, greed and apathy. We are not helpless to deal with those if we remain faithful to Jesus' commands. Finally, um, Philip Harris uh, said that uh, Many people feel immobilized, unable to take action. In the Great Commission, Jesus commands that we make disciples of all nations. But he goes on to say that this entails teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Caring for creation, then, is an integral part of Christian discipleship. It is an integral part of proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Our whole lives are to be lived out under his lordship. We care for creation because Jesus is Lord of creation. So how can we demonstrate our love for God in the way we care for his creation? We each need to consider how we respond to his grace and his commands. John Stott once wrote, God intends our care of the creation to reflect our love for the creator. This should be our motivation. It's not about following a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts. As we become more aware of the impact the way we live is having on the planet, we can start or continue to take steps that will reduce that impact. We've already had many of them demonstrated to us today by Rob and the the team. But often they're portrayed as a negative about giving up things that we like. By contrast, They can be life-enhancing, discovering delicious vegetarian recipes, improving our fitness and health by walking and cycling more frequently, growing more of the food that we eat, looking forward to eating food when it's in season, enjoying the delights of traveling on holiday by train, one way a Russia can help us as individuals in this area of discipleship is through Wild Christian. This is a monthly email that provides inspiration and advice to help make some lifestyle changes and care for nature in our daily lives. If you'd like to receive that, there is a sign up sheet uh, on the desk outside in the foyer. For churches, a Russia runs Eco Church, which now has 5,000 registered churches of all denominations across the country, working to integrate caring for God's earth into their Christian faith and mission through worship and teaching, as we are doing this morning. Through the way we manage our buildings, how we can reduce carbon emissions in the way that we heat and light our buildings when we use, whether we use green energy, whether we purchase from fair trade providers and then how do we manage the land that is around our church to promote wildlife a Russia's sites uh, reserves at Wolf Field and Fox Earth demonstrate what's possible even on a small patch of land Community and global engagement, recognizing the inseparable links between people and the environment. If climate change isn't curbed, the the risk is that 20 years of poverty reduction will be undone. And then personal lifestyle, how, as a church, we encourage each other in our homes and day-to-day lives to avoid waste and overconsumption if we do feel immobilized, there are plenty of resources to help us get going on caring for God's creation. Underlying everything Arosha UK does is a biblical faith in the living God, who made the world, loves it, and entrusts it to the care of human society. If you'd like to know more, then please do sign up on the sheet in the foyer. You may be able to support Arusha UK financially or in prayer, and we value that very highly. So, in conclusion, we are to care for creation because it is his. He cares for it and he commanded us to be stewards of it. Our care for it should reflect our love for its creator. Living in a way that cares for creation should be part of our counter-cultural discipleship, resisting the materialistic culture that we live in. Caring for creation by adopting a radical lifestyle in a materialistic world is part of our Christian witness. Integrating our love for God, love for neighbor, and care for the earth and its creatures is a profoundly attractive embodiment of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The most effective witness comes from those who embody what they are saying. We need to look like what we are talking about. May the way we care for God's creation be one part of an authentic Christian lifestyle which draws men and
0: women to Christ.